So good morning. So how many of you remember when we were here a couple years ago? All right. Most of you. Um, the rest of you have put it out of your memory and uh, prayed about that. So uh, my name is Randy Jasper. my wife, Christy. And we live in Jamestown, North Dakota. Anybody have any idea? Um, Jamestown, let me see here. How do I do this? Okay, if this is North Dakota, um, I-94 runs along the southern third. You got Fargo, 100 miles in Jamestown, 100 miles Bismarck, 100 miles Dickinson. And then, of course, you know where Dickinson is. So, um, And so I serve as regional minister, uh, and the church is a part of our North Central Association. And I don't know if I, I forgot to, Stephanie, right? Uh, I don't know if you can bring this up on your screen, but the website NP Region, so it stands for Northern Plains Region, npregion.org, um, is composed, the region is composed of two associations, the North Central Association, which, Levna, you're right here, four churches in South Dakota from McIntosh, Harry, Eureka, Aberdeen, and then the greatest number in our association are in North Dakota, and then, Manitoba, 18 more churches. Uh, eight of them are in Winnipeg and another five within an hour uh, of the city. There's one a couple hours north, one three hours northwest, three more, five or so northwest of there up near the Saskatchewan line. So, uh, yeah, if we went north of here, we'd be in Saskatchewan, wouldn't we? So you'd have to go east a little bit. But um, those are the churches we're, we're with. I, I said to Christy, where were we last Sunday? She goes, we were in Harriet, South Dakota. I said, that's right. Next Sunday, we're in Fargo. So uh, we go around, and we are with the different churches, help out in different ways. Uh, some, a lot of times Christy's with me, sometimes not. Um, and I want to thank you for your prayers for us, for your involvement. Yeah, so what does a heart for a community look like? This is our brand-new church in our association, Disciples Church in Mandan. They started uh, gathering for worship in December, so less than three months old. And Century Baptist uh, is kind of the mother church for this. They're actually looking at another plant uh, somewhere in the Bismarck area, not really sure yet where, but uh, be in prayer for them. And on that website, you're going to get another one. That was good. You did great. Um, if you can bring up one more, nabconference.org. But back to the association website, or the region website, excuse me, uh, there's going to be another article that comes up, I'm hoping, this week. And uh, uh, the title is going to be uh, Our Master's Voice. So you'll, you'll, that should come up. But you can find a lot of information about our two associations, our region, on that website that we had just there, including our... Uh, kind of like our churches of the week. So today, for instance, we're praying for Goodrich, uh, First Baptist Goodrich, Pastor Jim and Rosemary Gruff, and then in Manitoba, Oak Bank Baptist, Pastor Bruce and Monica Hollins. So nabconference.org, that's the conference website. And on there, there's a, there's a bunch of information, including the stuff that Kathy, or Anita, excuse me, not Kathy, Anita uh, mentioned about missions. Uh, you can also find out... Um, the different things, there's one publication, under the publications, uh, the intercessor, and there's a daily prayer guide. Today we're supposed to be praying for the youth of our conference and the youth of our churches. Um, so different things that you can find there, uh, as well as 
during this time coming up to Easter, you can get a daily email. I just pulled this up on my phone. And the, the overall title is, We Sing the Mighty Power of God. And so what they're doing each day, they're taking a favorite hymn and using a verse uh, of the hymn and then some scripture with it. So today is Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Um, the, the scripture passage uh, uh, associated with it is Psalm 8. And then there's a devotional thought for you. So this is something you could do, suggestion around the table. And, uh, Dad, you know what? If they're saying you need to be leading devotions in your family, well, here's something you can do for Easter, and you can just bring it up and, and read it together as a family, maybe around the table. But just some ideas. Again, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Um, we will be gathering as an association at... So you're kind of on the far southeast, south southwest of our association. We're going to be gathering at the far... Northeast in Grand Forks <laughs> um, for our meetings in October. And uh, uh, Carrie Bender will be with us, our Vice President for Missions. So in a way, he's kind of like Rick and Debbie Barden's boss. Carrie is a fantastic speaker. If you ever get a chance to have him here, invite him. He's, a, he's an NAB boy, uh, grew up right on the North, North Dakota, South Dakota line. Uh, he actually was our youth director for a couple, three years in Jamestown. And Carrie uh, and his wife, Stacy, Carrie um, um, serves our conference. Rick and Debbie, you're going to enjoy them. You know them. I don't know them that well. You know them much better than I. But uh, you're going to have a great time with them uh, on Wednesday evening. Our churches, we uh, kind of some of the main themes that we have for our conference are to really join God and determine what is his mission that he's on, not just internationally, that's part of it, international missions, but also locally. What's he inviting to us uh, to, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that, kind of right under our noses. And then another area, and we kind of, put, we kind of uh, uh, got at this a little bit during our Sunday school time, is what is Christ's or God's formational work in us? So it's one thing to receive Christ as Savior, but are we allowing the Holy Spirit to really do his work, his formational work in us, to, to create in us or to form us, as the Bible says, into the image of his Son, our Savior? And then a fourth area that we've, uh, we're kind of pushing into more is recognizing, as the Scripture says in Revelation, that when we're around the throne, there will be people of every tribe, tongue, nation, and, uh, uh, and ethnicity, I'm not sure exactly how it goes um, in that passage, uh, but that we will be gathering, we will be part of that great throng in heaven. And so to push into maybe some of the areas and some of the peoples maybe that are a little different from us, but God is calling us to recognize that his work is in them, and what can we how can we be a part of work together? And what needs to take place with that? So some things happening. Uh, one of the things that I do is work with pastors. I'm kind of a pastor to pastors in a way. Um, and I work with boards. I work with search committees. In our own association, we have five churches that are open right now. Harriet Eureka, uh, Venturia, North Dakota. Uh, so Harriet and Eureka are in South Dakota, Mercer, 
North Dakota, and then Martin, North Dakota. And then I have another six churches in Manitoba. So we work with those churches. Uh, a couple of the more recent church uh, uh, fills, I guess you could call it, uh, the most recent one is up in Beulah, and um, Pastor Jeremy and Sarah Nelson have been serving there just since the end of, the, of last year. And then probably the most recent before that is Pastor Thomas and Brittany Carlson um, beginning to serve the Aberdeen congregation. So thank you for your prayers, for your involvement. Uh, I realize that Crystal Springs Camp isn't a big thing around here, but there is a guy by the name of Tim Brenner that some of you may know of. And uh, Tim is the director there and doing a good job and work. And if you'd like to come and be a part of that, I know you'd have a great time. You'd meet our youngest daughter there. She is 23, and uh, she said, Mom, Dad, I'm graduating from, she's getting her, finishing up her occupational therapy degree in Grand Forks, but she says, I want to work at camp before I have to go get a real job. Um, so she's going to work at camp this summer. So if you show up at camp this summer, you'll see this short, curly-haired gal, blonde girl. That's Karen, our youngest. And uh, from her, the next oldest is 10 years older and then, and then older than that. So our four oldest are in their 30s and uh, live all over um, this country. So thanks again for your prayers. If you've got questions, complaints, uh, objections, rebuttals, let me know later. All right? So we're going to get into God's Word together. Um, and again, thanks for letting us uh, be together. And uh, so how did I come to be here? Well, I was planning to kind of come anyway because our, our, we have, across our association, our pastors get together occasionally for what we call our cluster groups. And our West River or West uh, cluster group was meeting yesterday in Dickinson. I was talking with Pastor Josh. And I said, you know what would happen if, I, if Christy and I showed up in Plevna? Uh, we haven't been there for a Sunday for a couple of years. We were here a year ago and met with your, your church leadership, but uh, wasn't on a Sunday. He said, that'd be great. And he says, you know, uh, it's our anniversary. I said, really? And so I said, well, what would happen? Uh, would, would you be offended if, if or, or your deacons, it would be okay with your deacons if we gave you the, the week, the Sunday off? And he said, well, let me get back with you. And so I said, enjoy your, your anniversary. So uh, anyway, thanks for, for looking out for them and, uh, and the boys, too, uh, Noah and Caleb. Hang on. i got to get up. So, um, all right. Guys, what is this? Kids? That's a mirror, but it's a specific kind of mirror. Let's, let's do it this way. It is a rear view mirror. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're going to go all go out after church and check your car or your truck to make sure I didn't break off your mirror. I brought this one with me, all right? So if there's missing... Somebody else did it. What do we use a rearview mirror for? What? Check if something or someone is behind you. That's right. Now, can some of you who uh, drive tell me what happens if you keep looking in the rearview mirror while you're driving? What happens? What? 
you might go in the ditch. My wife gets very nervous when I don't have my, my eyes on the road. I like to see what's around and, and, and whatever, and she gets a little nervous when I, don't always, when I go a little bit more like this. But you know, as churches, sometimes we kind of live in the rearview mirror. We live, we live looking back to what was, and we think about things that were, and we need to look in the rearview mirror from time to time, but that can get us into trouble, can't it? I've noticed a couple other things as I've aged. To see things up close, I need these things. Somebody once called them, told me they're called vanity glasses. I said, there's nothing vain about them. I can't see up close without them. I need them. But I also, as I learn from life, I know that um, I see things better from, uh, from a better perspective if I take a step or two back to get a broader perspective or a bigger picture. So I need the rearview mirror at times. I need the readers. And I also need to take a step back to have proper vision to see where I am. More importantly, I need all of them to see where God is inviting me to join him in what he is already doing both in me and around me. As a congregation, you of Plevna Baptist are in a time of when you not only must assess your vision, what is reality, but also who God is inviting you to be and to become. Now, that includes some things that you may also need to leave behind. So to help us prepare, we're going to spend some time in the scripture that Steve read a little earlier from Mark 10, and I'm going to read it once again. Okay, from Mark 10, I'm going to use a little different version. I've got, I've got the ESV up here, so... Whatever, if you would open your Bibles, though, to Mark 10, if you have one with you, because we're going to interact with this together. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, Mark 10, verse 46, and a great crowd, uh, with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take care or take heart. Get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, or Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received or he recovered his sight 
and followed him on the way. So today, as we interact with this text or this scripture passage, I want you to help me with some of the things, some of the observations. Now, I'm going to give you a couple things to get us started. When, you read, when we read scripture, it's always important to know what comes before and what comes after. Now, that may seem pretty obvious, but sometimes we don't do that, and by doing that, it helps us um, to get a much better understanding of what's happening. This section seems to begin in verse 32 um, of chapter 10. And they were on the road, or on the way, literally, going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. So there's amazement and there's fear. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death, deliver him over to the Gentiles, they will mock him, spit on him, flog him, kill him, and after three days he will rise. The account of Bartimaeus is between the request of James and John. So right before our passage, there is an interaction of James and John um, that they come to him and they say, uh, Jesus, would you do what we're asking of you? And Jesus says, um, what do you want me to do for you? And you remember what they, what they asked? What did they want? Do you remember it? Anybody remember? Or you can go ahead and look. It's not a test. It's an open book one. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. So they know that Jesus is going to Jerusalem, and James and John want to come in one passage says that their mother was involved too. You know, you can't say no to mom. Um, but anyway, they came and they said, you know, we want you to do what we ask. We want to sit one on your right and one on your left when you come in your glory and your kingdom. And uh, that's the passage that's just before the one we're looking at today. The one right after in chapter 11 is what? Take a look at your Bibles. What does it say? The headline, the heading. The triumphal entry, or what we typically celebrate as Palm Sunday. So right after this passage that we're in, so you've got the request of James and John, you've got blind Bartimaeus at Jericho, and then you've got the people welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem. So where does this take place? I already told you. Where does it take place? In John 10 here, where we're our passage. Where? Not Jerusalem, but, it's, but it starts with J. Jericho. Very good. So it's J-E-R. Okay. Jericho is down from Jerusalem. It's by the Jordan River. It's an ancient, ancient city. How, uh, where does Jericho appear in the Old Testament? It's kind of a famous passage where it comes. Remember? Yeah, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Remember hearing that one? Okay, that's how you can remember it. But the you know, the people were all around the all marched around and, and the and the walls fell. Jericho is an ancient city. Now, at this time, Herod the Great, or actually Herod the Great isn't living at, at this moment, but he was when Jesus was born. 
Herod the Great had built a magnificent winter palace there. And it was, it was kind of a, a new city, as it were, outside of the old city. So back to John, or to Mark 10, 46 through 52. Who do we find out? You've got to open your Bibles. Guys, find a Bible. You can find one behind you or in front of you. Mark 10, who is present in our story here? Who we got? Who's there? Who's one of them? Bartimaeus, okay. The brine beggar is there, but there are other people there, aren't there? Who else is there? Okay, Jesus' disciples. I already gave you a clue on another one. Okay, there's a large crowd, and there's another one there. Let's not forget the main guy. Jesus! All right, yeah, the answer is always Jesus, right? Whatever the answer is in, in, in uh, whatever the, the question is in Sunday school, the answer is always Jesus, right? may sound like a squirrel, but it's Jesus, right? No, no, it's, it's no, I'm, I'm teasing you. Okay. So, what is this blind man doing? He's begging. Why is he begging? Exactly. He is poor. And the custom was that when a person gave, so I'm going to pick on Steve. So Steve's coming along, and, and I'm, I'm begging. And part of the custom would be if, I, if Steve would give to, to me, I'm, I'm the one begging, part of it would be it was considered a, 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 a righteous act for Steve to, to have pity on me and to give money for my needs. And then what I would do is... Uh, I would get up and I would pray and pronounce a blessing and call for God's blessing upon Steve. That was the custom, to receive the blessing from the beggar. Jesus, we read, is on his way to Jerusalem. There is one more long, arduous day of travel. So you have Jesus, you have Bartimaeus, you have the disciples, you have the large crowd. Well, who are, who is that large crowd? Well, we know it's the apostles, the twelve, and others who are traveling to Jerusalem for the feast. We know it's the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So, according to the passage, in verse... 47, what does Bartimaeus hear? What does he hear? That Jesus, the Nazarene, has come. So Bartimaeus has heard of Jesus. What does he do? Not quite. He calls out, and what does he say? What does he call? What does he say? Son of David, have mercy on me. What does Jesus do? Verse 49. He stops, doesn't he? 
and stuff. Literally, he stands. Call him. They call him. Take heart. Take courage. The crowd says, he's calling you. And three times in verse 49, the word call, the verb call, for our English teachers, and those of you who are learning that, your, your grammar, three times in verse 49, the word call is used. Some think this is the main part of the story, the main point of the story. Jesus calls a blind man to follow him. Now, pause. Earlier in chapter 10, Jesus gets angry with his disciples who don't allow children to come to him. You can read that later. The next story after that one is of the rich man who is invited to follow, but who, whose wealth gets in the way of following Jesus. So what does Bartimaeus do in our story? Yeah, he not only comes to Jesus, what does he do? What does it say? Keep on, keep on looking at it. He does what? He jumps up, throws off his outer garment, which he would have used to collect the coins in front of him. He leaps up, and he comes to Jesus. Verse 51, and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I'd like you to follow along with me on this little listening guide because I'm going to ask three questions based on this passage of Scripture. First question is this, and you've got it right there. Who do you think Jesus is? Now, Bartimaeus addressing Jesus as the son of David is pretty significant. It has what are sometimes referred to as messianic implications. Coming from the Hebrew word Messiah, meaning anointed one. In Greek, it's the word Christ. It essentially means king. Okay? And in your listening guide, and you can look at this later, the son of David, it's used in various passages in 2 Samuel, in Isaiah, in Jeremiah 23, in Ezekiel 34, and again in Psalm 118, which um, is one of the phrases people, well, I'll get to that a little later. This is the first time in Mark's Gospel that he uses this phrase of Jesus, Son of David. Now, if you go back in the Gospels, you'll find that in Luke, the angel Gabriel references the throne of David in announcing to Mary that she will bear Jesus. Zechariah implies this David connection in his prophecy after John's birth. That's in Luke 1. The angel also implies it in announcing the birth in Luke 2 to the shepherds of the Savior, the Christ, the Anointed One, in other words, Messiah, the Lord in the city of David. But in Luke, as in Mark, this is the first time anyone specifically addresses Jesus 
as the son of David. Now, if you go to Matthew, just a little sidelight. Uh, in Matthew 9, the two blind men who are presumably in Galilee use this phrase. Jesus warns them not to do so. The Canaanite woman uses it of Jesus, Matthew 15. And then Matthew also has a record of this account in Matthew 20. My point being that even the two accounts in Matthew are of kind of people outside of Israel when they use this. The very next story, we just talked about this, after this passage in Mark, in Mark 11, is the response of the people at Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem. And it has them shouting, what? Uh, Hosanna uh, in the highest. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. It's a quote from Psalm 118, verse 26. Equating Jesus' coming with the long-hoped-for reestablishment of David's kingdom. Now, we know the story, if we've read this before, that the religious and civic leaders not only reject this, but they decide that Jesus, from this point on, must now be certainly eliminated. What am I saying in all of this? Does Bartimaeus understand the implications when he uses the phrase son of David? Perhaps he doesn't understand all of this, but Jesus does not prevent him from using it. Bartimaeus also calls him in verse 51, uh, it's, it has in all our versions rabbi, but it's really the word raboni. Um, and it's the same word, the only other place it's used is when Mary uses this same phrase of Jesus after his resurrection. Uh, the NIV and the ESV don't even show this. Rabbi simply means teacher. Rabboni is a way of saying it both with more honor and intimacy. The irony is that this blind man, whatever his understanding, sees and confesses openly more than anyone else to this point in Jesus' ministry. I'm going to say that again. The irony is that this blind man sees and confesses openly more than anyone to this else to this point when you read in Mark. So my question to you is this. Who do you think Jesus is. That's a question I'd like for you, not now, but later on, to continue to wrestle with a little bit. Bartimaeus confesses who he is. Who do you believe he is? Secondly, second question from our text. What do you want Jesus to do for you? This is the question Jesus asks Bartimaeus. Someone say he's calling out the blind man's faith, calling him to confess openly, to, to go deeper, as it were. Bartimaeus doesn't ask for money. What's his reply? Rabboni, I want to see again. Now, causing the blind to see is connected also with the messianic texts. Of, and I've listed them there in your, in your, uh, in your, in your guide. 
Isaiah 29, 32, 35, and especially chapter 61. That's a special passage because Luke records that Jesus uses this passage or this phrase about himself in his first and perhaps only sermon in his hometown of Galilee or his hometown synagogue uh, in Nazareth. What do you want me to do for you? Now, in the previous account with James and John, Jesus also asks this question of James and John when they come to see him. What do you want me to do for you? But notice the difference in responses. James and John want to be seen. Bartimaeus wants to see. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Again, take some time and reflect on that. Meditate on that. Pray on that. Question number three. Do you believe he can do what you ask? Bartimaeus shouts and will not be stopped when he discovers Jesus the Nazarene is with the crowd on the road. When called and asks, he requests to regain his sight. And what happens? Jesus tells him what? Go, your faith has made you well. Or go, your faith has healed you. Literally, it's go, your faith has saved you. Physically, spiritually, in every way, Bartimaeus is not the same. Jesus' healing of Bartimaeus' uh, Bartimaeus's request to see, though, is connected with Bartimaeus' willingness to hear. Let me repeat that. Jesus' healing of Bartimaeus' request to see is connected with Bartimaeus' willingness to hear. And we read he goes from sitting beside the way, verse 46, to following Jesus on or in the way, verse 54, verse 52. So the question is, does Jesus always do what we ask? He didn't for James and John, did he? When he asked them the same question. Perhaps the question relates to the first question of who we think Jesus is, which will in turn influence what it is we ask of him. So as we kind of land the plane here today, I want to come back to question two, because I think it is for us the main one. What do you want Jesus to do for you? I think you need to continue to ask this question as, as a congregation. We can't move forward by refusing to move from where we are. What do you want Jesus to do for First Baptist Plevna? You begin to see the possibilities all around. What do you want Jesus to do for Plevna and the surrounding area? But after reflecting on the text, I think maybe just focusing on the church or even asking what Jesus wants to do through you in Fallon County and, and, and beyond are really the wrong places to begin. We need to begin with this. 
What do you want Jesus to do for you? What do I want Jesus to do for me? I'm suggesting that selfishness is required or there will be no change. One of my friends uh, who works a lot with parents and students says that we often don't want to change because we are comfortable in our own, sometimes our own misery. We may not like it, but we've become so used to it. We may even complain, but we will not make the effort it takes to do anything differently. Could that be said of us? Could maybe it even be said of us as a group? What do I want Jesus to do for me? When I begin to open myself to that question, I will remove from I will move from the requests of being seen to seeing. I'll begin to let the Holy Spirit speak deeply into the areas of my life that that I may keep hidden. I begin to trust a brother or sister in Christ with fears and doubts and guilt and frustrations. In other words, the real needs. And then when I begin to see myself, when I begin to realize that Jesus calls me, when I begin to realize that He accepts me as I am, when I realize I have nothing to lose, when I realize He wants me to ask Him for the things that limit me, then He who saves gives the faith that saves, that heals, that makes me whole. And a revival takes place in me. And I begin to see my brothers and sisters in Christ differently. And I begin to see the people all around me differently. And I begin to realize that I am not alone but part of a community that God invites to join Him in what He's already doing. Right where I live. Right where I spend each day. And when Jesus says, Go, I will follow. God, I thank you for this church. I'm not talking about the building, although it's a, it's a great building. I'm talking about the people. I thank you for a blind man on the way to, to Jericho who seemed to understand more more deeply than, than all the people who could see and who've been around Jesus all those weeks and some of them months and even years. 
and ask the personal question. Because he wanted to see. God, that you would continue to stir in our hearts as we reflect more on your word. And then, Lord, not be afraid. Because, Holy Spirit of God, you give us the strength to do the things that you call us to do, to simply join you, as it were, to, to keep in step with you, as, it, as it's written in other passage, and what you have for us. Thank you that you love each of us as we are, but you don't let us stay that way. You give your grace to save us from our sin for yourself. And then to do that work in us as we submit to that good work. That we might be made whole. Thank you for Pastor Josh and Leslie. Thank you for the people of this church and that together. Together. Not to be seen but to see. Thank you. In Jesus' name.